An apology is a good way to have the last word. Anonymous. He's kind of crazy. She's a little insane. Keeping energy really messes with his brain. One is divorced. The other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a Silver Linings Playcast. Oh yeah. Hello everybody and welcome to the Silver Linings Playcast, the only podcast that I'm aware of that uh, is completely devoted to the movie Silver Linings Playbook and the book, The Silver Linings Playbook. I'm your host, Jamie Ward, host of the Silver Linings Playcast and uh, welcome back, kind of. We've sort of been on hiatus for uh, a while and I <laughs> I want to um, apologize by saying this one's not going to be much better but we're going to try. That's why we started out with a quote about apologies. Apologies are a great way to have the last word. You know what else is? So is a podcast because I don't know how the the comments on this works. Also, we didn't get any comments. So uh, it, doing this is basically the last word. It's also the only word, only word because it's basically me going into the ether uh, an unlistened podcast. Nobody should listen to any podcast. I want people to stop listening to this one too, if they do, because they shouldn't. It's terrible. And I don't, I regret doing it. Uh, just apologizing all the way around. All right. Um, like I said, it's not going to be great because I am a mess. Everything is wrong. Uh, basically everything I've ever worked for my whole life is gone and I failed at everything and I'm terrible and I don't want to be here, but we are going, <laughs> But podcast, so I've been I've been approaching this the wrong way. I was not doing the one thing that I love most of all because I was unable to do things. In fact, what I should be doing is putting everything into the one thing that I love doing and doing it more and better. If is I mean the reason I love this is it's a low stakes, no stakes thing with it doesn't matter and also it takes me off of social media, not saying all the depressing things that I don't need to be spewing out into the rest of the world. I, I say all that, we are going to give it a shot at having a many podcast this time because I, and since I, I haven't been able to do anything, I've, I've wanted to, I, I've been talking about, I've wanted to, I, I, my hope was that if I couldn't get myself to write and create things, that I would read, that I would catch up on a lot of the books that I wanted to read, and I could not. I When I say that, I split the difference. I got into comic books. Now, I've not read comic books in decades in my life, I, and I, I wasn't like a big comic book reader as a kid. I liked the idea of comics. I bought some, but like I didn't know how to read them. I couldn't really get into it. I liked the idea, like superheroes, but I'm I'm not, and I was never an avid comic book collector. I think that just every every young boy like will look at comics, or at least used to, when, if they grew up in the same time that I grew up in that age or younger. They probably play a different role in society now. Comics are all made into movies, and people know those characters from movies now. It seems like there's not a movie that is a summer blockbuster that's not based on some type of comic or graphic novel. So I figured... That was a little lighter reading than books, books, and it was easier for me to sort of 
uh, read them like watching a movie. So I, I went not, no, I'm not just didn't start just picking up like regular superhero comics. I did read a superhero comic. I basically, what I looked for was a list of the best graphic novels there were. And, uh, the, the two that I've read so far, well, I'll explain how I've read them. Cause, uh, I don't think what I read was actually graphic novels. I think what I read was bound compilations of what was published originally as comic book series. I know we are going to tie this all back in to silver linings playbook shortly, but like I said, uh, I'm getting the last word right now, getting the only word. So the first one that I read, and this took me a long time. <laughs> Uh, I might as well have just read a book in the end was Watchmen. Now I've, I saw the movie Watchmen, which was a Zack Snyder film and people either loved it or hated it. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was was a visually cool movie when I first saw it, but I know a lot of people that were familiar with the comic books and love the comic books hated the movie uh, a lot like the way that Avatar, the last airbender fans were not a fan of the uh, M. Night Shyamalan's Last Airbender film. Now, this is a little different case because some people do love the the Watchmen film. And one of the things that I think, I, I think it's great and I really enjoyed it. Uh, um, now, now, Zack Snyder tried to make a shot for frame reproduction of the comic book. And so the movie's very long and it's paced very strange because it's paced for comic books and maybe, so maybe as a film it doesn't work, but maybe as a film adaptation of a comic book, it it works amazing. Um, I had no familiarity with the comic before it and I sort of didn't understand the movie when I saw it, but it was fine. I I enjoyed it enough. I read the comic book because I read reviews that were saying that it was one of the greatest comic books of all time. Uh, in fact, several of the, the comics that made like the best comic lists are on lists of top books of all times. If you get not, not like the top 10 or anything, but if you go to lists of like 100 most important or most influential books of the century, uh, there's a couple there and I believe Alan Moore's Watchmen might be on that list. I don't know, but I, the other one that I am still uh, working my way through, which is on lists of top hundred books of all times of any media, um, or I guess there was like a list I should have done the research for it, but I didn't, uh, of like all the books of any type of bound printed material, if you take the top hundred books in that way. And that is... Uh, Sandman. It is the Sandman series by Neil Gaiman. And it is one of the things that he sort of got famous for. And if you've listened to this before, you know anything about me. He is one of my favorite uh, storytellers of all time. He's mastered his craft of understanding story, mythology, and uh, just just myths and legends so much. And if you you know all the other things that I love, uh, when I was so excited to find him this year and the last year because he uh, really focuses specifically on the kind of like genre bending uh, fantasy or fantasy. Cause I have a hard time getting into straight science fiction too. I'm uh, I always, I, I wish I could get into it, but I usually can't. I find it boring and I'm, I don't like straight fantasy either, 
but I do love story and mythology. It's, it's weird. It's a very, very fine line to walk. Now, when I do find those things that I like, which could often be categorized in either of those categories, I love them. I think it's just that people either have a tendency to either a take their story and they are just retelling old mythology in their own way, which makes it kind of boring because you're like, Oh, this is the stories of Achilles or a biblical story, but you just exchanged a superhero name and face, but you're telling the exact same story or they'll try to create their own brand new mythology in science fiction and fantasy movies. And they will do a terrible job because uh, they veer too far away from the original materials and the original materials are basically the source of all story. If you understand story theory or the, the idea of just like what makes a good story, you can't stray too far from that either because the, these are myths, legends are stories that have, um, you know, just, uh, what I'm, I'm blanking on expressions, but you know, the test of time thing, like, like, just stayed around forever uh, because they are that good and fundamental to understanding society and people's wants, needs, fears, loves, and things like that. That's the important of mythology. I actually um, studied uh, specifically when I went to film school, uh, we had to create a whole sort of concentration in a topic that was not your own field, not in your major and so I created my own concentration that was uh, in a combination of mythology, religion, and philosophy, because I thought all three of those things combined would sort of help me understand the fundamentals of storytelling and make me a better screenwriter. And it has not. Uh, partially because I probably didn't attend any of the classes or care about any of the stuff that was going on. And it was a total waste of time, but, um, I signed up for them. So that's really the important part, signing up for them. And that is why when I found all the, the things that Neil Gaiman has done, I loved him so much. If anybody has any recommendations for other authors or creators that do a sort of similar thing too, I would love to know because when I am able to start reading again, I would love to read. Yeah. Anyway, so I have spent some time reading comic books, but I've also watched a lot of movies. I've used this time to catch up on watching films that I should have my whole life and that I never have. I know it's, it's, it's really weird that I would feel that I, um, you know, when I was a little kid and I was like, oh man, I wish you could just watch TV and movies for a living. It's much harder when you're supposed to. And so then I've been working, trying to get into the field of film and television for the last couple of years. And when you have to, I stopped watching everything altogether. In fact, there was more TV shows going on and, and movies that people would always talk about. Now, oh, have you seen this? Have you seen that? And I had not seen anything. So I've caught up on a lot of them. I can't even think of all the things that I have caught up on now, finally. And, and most of them are fine. Uh, all the things that people now I've, I'm probably way too critical on all these things too. Um, all the people that have made all these great TV shows and movies, especially the recent ones, because it seems like it's the golden age of TV and everything that comes out is really, really great. According to all these people reviews, I just think the viewing audience has a very low standard for what is good. Now I might just being pretentious 
that way. Uh, but plenty of it is fine, and that's that's perfectly fine to be fine. You know, I think one of the biggest um, biggest lies that we tell ourselves in society is that three out of five is not good. Uh, we just have gotten so obsessed with the five-star review of everything. Three out of five is average. According to statistics, more things should be three out of five than any other other rating out of five. So every show can't be five out of five the best thing you've ever seen. It can be your favorite thing you've ever seen. And like, so an example of one of those, I recently watched, um, I, Ozark that I, I was blanking out on, uh, people had gone crazy for that and got so obsessed with it and I watched it and it was fine. Um, it felt sort of like a, a lesser well-made Breaking Bad remake. Now Breaking Bad being one of the most technically perfect shows ever made, I believe. I think people consider it one of the best TV shows ever made. So, you know, it that um, skews my judgment of it a little bit. Uh, that's one of those things like, it's not fair. Here's the thing, Breaking Bad came out and I watched it. It was great and I enjoyed it. So you can't keep watching the exact same thing forever. If you want something else new, here's something that is similar and yet different enough. And it was fine. Like, I don't regret watching it ever, but I'm also, um, like, I'll... I'll watch the next season when it comes out, probably, unless I forget by then or don't get excited by then. But also, I'm not going to be sitting around waiting to find out what happens too, because I don't think it, uh, the characters are super sympathetic and the situation wasn't quite... Again, I'm going back to the thing that like I'm a little more critical than... I often, when I'm watching things too, I will even uh, set a stopwatch or stop it if I'm watching it on a computer or, or streaming or something just to see uh, when major events happen during the TV show or movie. That's why I'm terrible to watch things with. Normal people should not uh, do that with me ever. Um, it can be annoying, but I like to, like if there's a big major plot event or reversal that happens, I will pause it and just find out what the timestamp is that it happens to see like sort of how far through the episode and story just for structure and I'll, I'll judge it against what I think the structure should be or how well they're doing, uh, the pacing on things. There's so many things that I'll watch and I'll think, oh man, you're half hour into this. Oh, here's a great example. I just watched uh, Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof the other day. And I'm, I, I think I'm a huge Quentin Tarantino fan. I have a special relationship with him. I like when I, before I even started film school, well, I mean, I arrived, I arrived at college and the very first thing I did the first day when I was poor and had nothing in my dorm room and I was, I was like, oh, this is the start of four years. Uh, I, I said, I'm going to spend all my spending money right now and go buy a DVD. And I bought a copy of Reservoir Dogs and it was amazing. And it made me think like, oh, I picked the right career. I love this thing. I want to create, I love this guy. And I do, I, I really enjoy everything. And then I had an evolution too. Uh, of that. Um, when I was in, I was in school and this was one of the things that will date me, uh, that, uh, Kill Bill came out. The Kill Bill volume one came out while I was in the midst of film school and I loved it. Oh my goodness. That was the coolest thing ever. And I still, I still love it, but I love it differently than the first time I saw it. The first time I saw it, I was like, Oh, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And then I started watching, 
more movie, a lot of the films that influence his filmmaking. And I think of it differently when I, so he's, he's really sort of like, um, uh, one of those mixed DJs that just samples a lot of different things and then creates something great with it. Now I'm just sort of like one of those old traditional people that's like, Oh, that's not a thing, but, but you know, it is. And I've come to learn that. And so I respect it for what it is too. But then that also makes me have a hard time sometimes putting all of his movies, just like throwing his whole list of everything up on list of greatest movies, except for he's created his own style with, with doing that as well. And so now that I have a perspective on the perspective that I had built off of my original impression, I'm starting to think he's greater again. He was, I'll say he's probably my favorite filmmaker as far as fun film. I enjoy all of his movies and I have fun watching them. If I had to make an assessment about um, a a director or writers or people that create movies, depending on what level you want to attribute their creation of the the film um he might not be like who i assess as the best filmmaker of our time but he's definitely one of the ones that most consistently i really highly enjoy every single thing he's done all that being said uh, i the only film that i had not seen of his is death proof and i so i also i was i was remembering that i had i have watched Kill Bill won so many times. Partially was that came out and I bought it on DVD and I was waiting for the second one. And I watched the first one so many times. And then the second one came out and, and I watched it one time just cause I liked the first one so much better than the second one. And so I was curious. I'm like, man, I haven't seen these movies in, it feels like 10 years or something. Uh, but I don't want to just watch the second one to let me watch Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. And I got through 1, and I was like, yeah, still enjoy that. It's a lot of fun. And for some reason, for some reason, I totally switched up, and I was like, no, I'm going to watch the other film that uh, I have not seen yet. Now, I also had uh, rewatched um, Django Unchained and Jackie Brown. Also, uh, I feel like... Jackie Brown is one of the most underrated Tarantino films there is. And I say that, uh, I, I mean, it's, it's not underrated. It's rated very, very well. And it's rated against other films that he's done that are very, very good. Uh, I've read some lists that are sort of ranking the best Tarantino films. And I think it, you know, it gets its good spot. It's like the third or fourth usually on most of those lists out of, uh, I think it's in nine right now, depending on how you count. Kill Bill, uh, if you're counting that as one movie, he's made he, 10 movies have been released by him. He said he was going to make 10, but if you count Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2, that's one movie of his. So anyway, Jackie Brown, fantastic movie. If that's the one Quentin Tarantino movie you have not seen, definitely see that. Okay, so I've been ranting about all these other movies that are not Silver Linings Playbook, so I could talk about one more movie that is not Silver Linings Playbook, but there's a specific reason that I wanted to talk about this. And it's half the reason that I started this with a quote about apologizing. Uh, Part of it is that my whole podcast is an apology for me living 
and my failure at everything. Uh, and I hate myself. <laughs> oh, I love that. I can laugh at that. Yeah, um, but no, I have to make an apology to a film and an actress too. Now, if you have been listening to this podcast, you will know that there was a very in-depth uh, two-part episode that I had. It might, it might be my version, uh, Silver Lining Playcasts, uh, Kill Bill, if you will, um, of re- reviews and analysis of the 85th Academy Awards, the 2012 films, uh, or the two, yeah, the 2013 Academy Awards for the 2012 films. And one of the things, uh, me and, and my, my guest, Nick Cassano, were talking about during that, oh, actually, and also, uh, by the way, Django Unchained was one of the films from that year that was nominated for Best Picture, uh, Best Supporting Actor, which went to Christoph Waltz, who is amazing. I think I ranted and raved him about him in that episode, so I won't go back into it, but he's so good that I went back and talked, uh, just needed to bring it up. Anyway, I was talking about, uh, how in the silver linings play playcast episode about the 85th Academy Awards, we went down all the different awards and I was talking about how disappointed I was that it did not win as many of the awards as I thought it could. And it probably could have won some more than I thought. Uh, and so this is the real big game changer of that too. What the, one of the few awards that it actually did win for which it was nominated was Jennifer Lawrence won for her Silver Linings Playbook as playing Tiffany Maxwell. And that year she was going up against Jessica Chastain for Zero Dark Thirty, Emanuela, Emanuela Riva for Amor. Uh, I'm going to try to uh, say this name right. Quivangene uh, Wallace for Beasts of the Southern Wild and Naomi Watts for The Impossible. Now, this is specifically part of what I was going to apologize for. In the original podcast, I absolutely butchered the name Quivangene Wallace. That was because I didn't do my research on that. I had never heard of her before. I watched the film Beasts of the Southern Wild, and it is one of the most beautiful films I have seen Uh I'll put it on, if I don't have to give it an actual numerical number, I'll put it on my list of one of the most beautiful films I've seen of all time. Uh, I don't, I, you know, I'd have to put together a specific list uh, of, of films. That, anyway, let's not get into that because, so I wanted to say to all my listeners, I apologize for not having done my research and learning to say Quivangene Wallace and this is specifically because she is amazing. Now, I had only seen two of the movies where for her, the, the best actresses were nominated for. That was Silver Linings Playbook with Jennifer Lawrence and Zero Dark Thirty with Jessica Chastain. Both amazing performances. Two, after seeing Beasts of the Southern Wild, we're being objective here and not just going with what my heart wants to say. She was amazing in it at the time let's see i think uh she was born in 2003 i think and it was a 2012 film we're just going to do the math really quick um so it was probably shot then in 2011 
If she was 2000, she was born in 2003, which makes her young. In fact, when she was nominated for the 85th Academy Awards in 2013, she was the youngest and still is holding the record of the youngest actor or actress nominated for an Academy Award of all time. So far to date, she is the first nominee of the 21st century too. Nobody that's been born after 2000 has been nominated for an Academy Award. I did not know who she was in a par- uh, and then, so now I recognize her. She was also the actress. Uh, she played Annie, Little Orphan Annie in the remake of Annie, which I did not see, but uh, she, so apparently she's a singer and a dancer as well. Something else impressive. She has published four books since then too. So she is just super successful and amazing. So good that I'm doing a whole podcast where I talked about a whole bunch of other things, but eventually got back basically to apologize to everybody that had anything to do with that movie because and this is this is my stupidity. And I think this is an interesting thing about the way things work too. For some reason, I felt like that was probably the least deserving of all the films on that list because it's the one I knew the least about. I, I do not remember seeing the preview for this film at all. I do not remember hearing about this film at all. And I am so glad that I watched it because it is beautiful. It is definitely a film that I will rewatch again at some point, maybe every now and then because it is that good. It's nice and short. It's a 90 minute movie. Any movie that has that kind of impact in 90 minutes, I think is amazing. Um, it is, it is, it's such a simple and beautiful film too. I, I think it's an amazing story. To, and if you watch it, and if you're familiar with like Neil Gaiman or or the the feel I got when I was watching it was it felt like an American Miyazaki film, like a I don't know how to pronounce his first name Hayao uh, Miyazaki Studio Ghibli. Um, they are anime films, Japanese films that are, and the studio Studio Ghibli is often thought of as like the Japanese Disney because they make great animated films and I am a big fan of them too because it again anime is a lot like the science fiction and fantasy thing it's a thing that I sometimes I wish I could get into it more there's some several of them are some of my favorite things of all time but I generally as a genre it's not one of those things where it's like oh this is anime I'm gonna like it I, I, I don't watch a lot of it particularly but uh, like any like any animated thing, I, I do like the idea of animation because you can portray everything exactly the way that you see it. And that is one of the things that I really felt with this film, Beasts of the Southern Wild, that it, that it really uh, feels like it, it's a live-action movie, but it's so beautifully done in an amazing way. I can't even describe it. Uh, it feels like visually it's exactly the vision of uh, that the creators wanted to portray. It is is the story about this young little girl. I think she's supposed to be like between seven or eight. I don't really know how to tell kids' ages that much, especially in in movies and stuff. But and it's about and um, she lives in this very poor community. When I say community, I mean like it, it's basically a. a family it's more than it's not a biological family it's 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 like a this this 
little tribe in the Mississippi Delta, and they it's it's um it's hard to explain. Let me just say, if you like film for for all the things a film can be, storytelling, uh, picture, music, everything, uh, narrative, just just all beautifully blended into something that could not be a book, could not be a play, could not be like it's got to be film to be film. I say that it is based on things. I believe it was a play and and it might've been a book too. I could have that the other way around. Uh, like I said, I didn't do super much research. I do know that, uh, Quivan Janae Wallace is 17. Now she's from Huma, H O U M A, Louisiana, published four books and stuff, but that was all I could get myself together to do. Uh, basically it's because, and so here we are. This is again, um, not going to be super long, uh, but at least it was a little more on track. It was, I was at least talking about films. We'll get back. We'll get back to talking about Silver Linings Playbook. I have a lot of stuff to say about it. I haven't seen it in a lot of time. That's, that's a funny thing too. It's not one of my go-to when I'm depressed films that I want to watch. Um, I, I've kept thinking over this last number of months, should I rewatch it? Maybe it'll make me happy. I don't think it will. I don't know. Um, maybe it's because I don't want to soil my love and memory of it, watching it under less than ideal circumstances. It's more of one of those things. It's like, Oh, I'm going to forget about it for a year and then I'll rewatch it next year. And then I'll be re-energized and be like, Oh, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen again. Or maybe it's not, maybe I'm making it all up. Maybe it's one of those things like red velvet cake where it's like, I just pick something to like that, that a whole bunch of people don't like. And I make it my thing because I don't know what I want and like why I do, but I, I, Oh man, I don't want to get into super psychological right now. I just want to talk about how I saw this movie, how I love this movie, uh, beast of the Southern wild. And I love, Silver Linings Playbook. So maybe we should go through all the other movies eventually. One of one of the things I was doing was working my way through Pat's reading list, but right since I can't read, maybe I should start watching the other movies on the the 2000 the 85th Academy Awards list. Anyway, I think that's that's a, that's good. That's all I can manage right now. Uh, so I keep promising next week. Next week we'll try. Or maybe not, but, you know, as long as I'm alive and present in front of uh, my microphone, I will do my best to put something out every Thursday, the Silver Linings Playcast, even though I always record it on Wednesday and usually upload it because I don't know how to set it to release on Thursday. Uh, But that's okay because none of it really matters. This is the last word. This, This is my last word. Okay. Uh, thank you guys. Um, we will see you down the road and Excelsior. He's kind of crazy. She's a little insane. Keeping energy really messes with his brain. One is divorced. The other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a silver linings play cast. Oh yeah.